This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Shawik, and my co-host for the Public Health Series, Azrul Mohamed Khalib, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. So, Azrul, we have um, another Minister of Health again. Um, mm. uh, we know this week, uh, as everyone uh, was following the news, that uh, Datuk Sri Anwar Ibrahim announced that Datuk Sri Dr. Zulkifli Ahmad would be replacing Dr. Zaleha and has in fact replaced Dr. Zaleha Mustafa as Minister of Health. We also know this is Dr. Zul's second rodeo. Mm. So, <laughs> uh, Azrul, some thoughts. Uh, we just want to unpack this a little bit. Firstly, perhaps, what does Dr. Zul bring to this position? Well, you know, uh, Shawit, um one of the important uh, aspects of uh, running the health ministry really uh, isn't necessarily the fact that you're a doctor or a medical professional or healthcare professional for the matter. It's, it's actually somebody who's able to manage executive functions. And uh, usually this is in a corporation. You see a chief executive officer who's in charge of uh, an organization and in people forget really that the Ministry of Health is essentially a huge organization. One of the biggest, oh, the biggest if, yeah. I think the biggest mm. right, employer uh, of public servants. It has a myriad of services. It has thousands of buildings. It covers the entire population of the country in terms of its services. And therefore, we need someone who is able to come in and to be able to understand the breadth and depth of the responsibility and uh, Dr. Zul uh, brings an advantage here simply because he had the job before. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people have been, <laughs> been mentioning about unfinished work, stuff that was left behind from the uh, 2020. And uh, you can see Dr. Zul already when he was clocking in. Uh, was it yesterday? Feels yesterday. Like, uh, it was he just clocked yesterday. in yesterday. He clocked yes. in yesterday and he was already talking about stuff that he wants to do. And mm-hmm. uh, I think digital health... Uh, Came he up. came yes. up and he wants to make that a, a, a priority. And, mm. it, you know, it may sound not much, but that's a uh, that's billions of ringgit worth and certainly years of work yep. ahead, you know. Yep. But it's good because that shows that he's interested in wanting to hit the ground running. And unfortunately, in this time, uh, compared to when he came in back in 2018, I've said that, you know, amongst the healthcare stakeholders, even though he has... Uh, a sort of uh, sympathetic and, and supportive uh, uh, environment that he's coming into, there is unfortunately less patience, uh, very little sympathy and a lot of cynicism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, with regards to how health has been managed over the past year, in fact, a couple of years even. And this is something that uh, he comes in with a few things that he needs to do, but chief amongst them is really about rebuilding confidence, uh, building alliances, collaborations, new partnerships, and most importantly, regaining trust. Uh, And not from the general public. It's really from the healthcare professionals themselves in the Ministry of Health. And this is something that he is going to have to do while at the same time introducing reforms, making tough decisions. So I don't want to be in his shoes. But I I think... um, uh, he's the right guy for uh, the work ahead. So uh, I think 
we tend to have these conversations with you when we have a new minister in as well in this position. And one of the things you once said was um, after the minister has, you know, sort of arranged their papers on the desk and found their pencils. Yeah. I don't think he even has time to no. do it this yeah. round. So what are some of the most urgent issues he needs to get to immediately? Well, it's funny you mentioned that, uh, Shawit, because literally he did not have time to find his pencils even because he had to go to... Uh, the Dewan Negara yep. today and yesterday and today uh, to uh, table the uh, tobacco bill mm-hmm. uh, to the the control of smoking products for public health bill 2023, which is going through uh, Dewan Negara and has just been passed uh, a moment ago mm-hmm. uh, after the Senate uh, Senate. Uh, voted to pass it. So this was one of the things that he had to do almost from the get-go. And uh, it's, uh, alhamdulillah, you know, we now have uh, a bill that is going to be on its way to the king for his signature and later gazetted and into law. So that's a landmark moment right there because uh, over the past year or so, we've been having, unfortunately, this label of being, the government being pro-tobacco, pro-vape industry and uh, a lot of compromises concerning our commitments and obligations and the, the World Health Organization's uh, framework convention on tobacco control and so forth. So it's not that great, like, you know, for the past uh, year or so on this issue of tobacco. So a lot of people feel also confident that uh, with him in the dr- driver's seat, he's also able to introduce some of those reforms that, that uh, he's wanting to see. And this is not just about uh, the digital health uh aspect that he's talking about, but also to address the human resource aspect, you know, of uh, the healthcare service. And this is something that, unfortunately, even though uh, the previous minister, uh, Dr. Zaleha, had very good intentions in wanting to address that problem, and she took on the work from uh, KJ uh, and continuing on, and then had thousands of people who were offered permanent positions from contract to permanent Unfortunately, that got botched up, you know, and and resulted in actually people leaving the service, you know, instead of staying in. So, uh, you know, Dr. Zhou really is going to need to form a, 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 to do a triage, basically, look and see what are the important issues that he needs to address. But chief amongst them really is to uh, stem this this, uh, outflow, this hemorrhage of healthcare workers from our healthcare service Mm. into the private sector, to other countries and in some respects some people have decided to leave medicine altogether so he uh, needs to be able to put that on his table in his in-tray to, to address because that's going to take at least a year to mm. address yeah um, quite often a lot of the issues are you know you're firefighting right yeah. um, but also what are some longer term reforms he needs to keep an eye on and, and start work on as well well the thing is is that uh, uh, reform and this is continuing on the work from uh, uh, Dr. Zaleha and the healthcare white paper. Uh, the healthcare white paper is supposed to describe what will happen in the next 15 years. And unfortunately, uh, the healthcare white paper right now needs to be populated, needs more substance, it needs targets, indicators, milestones, uh, a vision of where we want to be, what do we want to achieve in terms of healthcare uh, financing, what are we looking at, uh, are we talking about social health insurance, if we're talking about more services, what kind of services? Mm-hmm. Uh, do we have a benchmark that we should be looking at? Should we be like South Korea, Singapore, 
or the UK or God forbid the US, you know. So we don't get enough of that. And Dr. Zhou needs to put that as uh, one of the pieces of work that he needs to do perhaps in the next, what, six months or even a hundred days. Uh, but in terms of the long run, uh, he will need to address the issue of um, updating and modernizing uh, Malaysia's healthcare infrastructure. Because right now what we have is inconsistent. You know, some parts are still stuck in the 70s, 80s. They're made out of wood. You know, the structures. I've yes, been to some of these places, you know. And, absolutely. And, you know, in Johor, for example. We're talking about hazards. Hazards, you know. Mm. It's not even occupational hazards. It's actually, you know, natural weather and so forth. So they're not able to address things like flooding, which resulted in, in hundreds of thousands of ringgit in damage. Uh, we still have the problem of uh, remote um, uh, locations to deliver health services, which is, uh, you know, Sabah Straw especially. And right now, when we talk about universal coverage, we need to know what that means. Mm. You know, does everybody have the same kind of uh, access to health services as a person living in the banda? In fact, Shawit, I was even uh, made aware that sometimes the inequity is the other way around, mm. where Someone straw has access to modern services equipment for, say, cardiovascular disease, as compared to somebody living in the urban area who may not have the same kind of facility because they expect you to go to a hospital or a clinic and actually you don't, you know, but mm. the person in Sabah Sarawak may. Mm. So uh, there's a number of issues here that uh, when you look at Dr. Zul, uh, I think the human resource is going to be a major component. He has to resist uh, the calls for people to say, ah, oh, build more hospitals, build more clinic, we need more dialysis centre. All of that is noise because uh, it's easy to build buildings. It's easy to buy equipment and, and put it into these buildings. What we, we haven't invested in mm. is in the workforce. Yep. Having more uh, nurses, uh, healthcare professionals, hospital assistants, doctors, specialists, you know, they don't grow on trees mm -hmm. and they take years to build it. And, and what people don't know is for one doctor, we invest a million ringgit. Yep. So we can't even afford to even lose one. Yep. But today, in this recent exercise, the contract to permanent uh, uh, transition, right, to, to these, permanent, these different contracts, permanent postings, we actually lost 10% of the, those who were offered permanent positions because they were unhappy with the way they were treated the exploitation, harassment, the uh, feeling of uh, unfairness, injustice. So there's a lot of human resource mm. uh, problems that he will have to take a grip on. These are long-term implications. Yeah. You talked about cynicism, um, I guess a trust deficit. Um, you know, all the issues are very politicised as well. What are some pitfalls Dr. Zul needs to avoid? Well, one thing... And this is where I don't envy uh, Dr. Zul because uh, one of the main problems that we are facing today is the fact that we are underinvesting in health, that we are uh, not allocating enough. And I'm not referring to even the, the GDP, 5% GDP. I'm just referring to the fact that a lot of times decisions are being made on, in hospitals and Putrajaya based on how much can we afford mm. rather than what do we need. And so uh, a lot of times... Decisions like uh, getting rid of the one ringgit, five ringgit fee that you pay at the, the counter, you know, which should be a decision that we 
uh, make quite quickly because there's no point collecting this money. I, I really feel that we don't need to collect any money at the point of registration. But today, even getting rid of that, which has existed since the 80s, is a political problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, some doctors say, oh, we should collect more money from patients. Uh, instead of collecting one ringgit, we should collect 10 ringgit. Uh, instead of five ringgit, we collect 50 ringgit. But politically, think about it, you know. Uh, that is like, what, 900% mm-hmm. yeah. uh, that you're increasing or even one ringgit to two ringgit is really 100%. So yeah. no politician worth their grain is going to say that uh, I'm going to increase these fees. So what we say is the collection is very small. Just get rid of it so that we focus on introducing important reforms. So uh, social health insurance is one of it. And this is a political issue because people don't like to pay more or mm-hmm. pay for other people necessarily. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, we need to find a way to finance it properly. Uh, uh, politicking of healthcare is, is going to be a problem because there is so much inequity in the different states. There are some states that have more. There are some states that have more doctors. Other states seem, are seen to be pinching doctors from other states. And so we need to be able to look at these, not from uh, political priorities, but mostly based on uh, what do we need? What does the Malaysian public need uh, to address their needs for health mm. and to respond to that? And there's going to be a lot of politicians who want to get through uh, Dr. Zul's uh, door and say, our state is priority. We need more clinics. Mm. They're not even looking at need. Yeah? They just say we need more clinics. And it may not, may not be true that they need. Mm. Uh, they need more hospitals. Do we need more hospitals in that state? Mm. You know, what about Sabah and Sarawak? They have not enough hospitals, you know. But then again, as I said, it's not just about building, it's about investing in the people as well. Mm. So there's going to be a lot of politicising of of healthcare, uh, especially uh, concerning vaccines, uh, which now has become sort of a political issue. People don't want to talk about vaccines because they've been traumatised by COVID-19 and the vaccines. But the fact is, is that we are going to need more and more, um, uh, you know, uh, treatments, treatments, pharmaceutical products like vaccines in the, in the future to be able to be resilient towards future medical or health crises. And we need to make these tough decisions regardless of what we went through in the past. Yep. Um, just a final thought, something perhaps a bit more philosophical. I mean, uh-huh. our healthcare system has taken on so much and taken on quite a severe beating what with pandemic and you know dwindling resources and changes of mm. leadership so what do you hope for for our healthcare under Dr Zul's leadership well i think uh, one of the things that we have to do very uh, very much immediately is to stop romanticizing the sacrifice and the hardship that our healthcare professionals are going through in the public service because there's too much about, oh, you know, uh, they're wrong. Uh, we'll work 24 hours, 33 hours, you know, on call. We don't pay them much, but they are sacrificing themselves. I mean, this is all uh, uh, exploitative, but also it's quite negative And people leave and feel burned out because of that. And what we need to ensure is that uh, Dr. Zul comes in and takes on a, a deliberate, consultative and inclusive approach to address many of these issues and uh, he needs to make people and, and patients to be the center of a lot of the work that he's going to be doing and uh, not just look at them as targets or beneficiaries of his policies but most importantly what needs to happen in, in the very near future is about improving communication uh, the health ministry has really got to improve in the way it communicates its work and 
the involvement of all stakeholders in the planning programs and evaluations of, of outcomes. And when we do that, we can address the cynicism because it's going to be there regardless. But mm-hmm. we've got to take care of our people so that they don't feel that they have to leave to find a, a better quality of life. You know, and, and most importantly, when we take care of our own healthcare professionals, they will take care of patients. They will take care of the rest of society as well. So we need to make that uh, something that we prioritize today. And, you know, uh, Dr. Zhou uh, is already showing uh, some um, uh, leeway in terms of admitting that this problem exists mm-hmm. so that we can address it properly and honestly rather mm-hmm. than hiding it away. So, uh, you know, as I said, there's a lot that we're going to be expecting from and we're going to have to manage these unrealistic expectations as well. And uh, But uh, I wish Dr. Zhou all the best. Indeed. Azrul, thank you so much for that quick wrap-up. Azrul Mohamed Khalib, CEO of the Galen Centre for Health and Social Policy. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.